to Play on K, the Korean Drama Podcast with Emily and Raquel. And we're back to our regularly scheduled episodes this week with our bonus coverage of My Country, The New Age. Yeah, so we watched the entirety of My Country, The New Age, and we're here to just talk about stuff that maybe got missed, stuff that we were able to look up spoiler-free after we finished the series, and we want to talk about it to you guys. So is our so everything we looked up was spoiler free to us because we had finished the series. Is our episode going to be spoiler free? Oh, no, absolutely not. Okay, the heavy spoilers. Spoilers all over the place. You're right. That was misleading. Uh, no, it's spoiler free for us because we watched all the episodes. So we- it will be spoiler free if you finished the show. Yeah. So <laughs> spoiler free because we watched it all, and so did you. If you're still here, we hope. Or you don't care about spoilers. But you should for this show, because it's a really good one. I I think on Google ratings, which I didn't know that was really a thing for K-dramas, it had 4.8 out of 5 stars, which seems high. Seems like a pretty solid rating. Yeah, that is... Especially on Google, I feel like you'd get more of a mix of People, maybe not just... Like, when you look at the reviews on Vicky, you know that those people are there for a specific reason. They're they're there to watch Asian dramas, but, like, pretty specifically Korean dramas, even though there's also Chinese dramas and Japanese dramas, Vicky, and I think some Thai and Vietnamese dramas, right? Oh, I don't know. I don't know either. I'm making it up now. <laughs> Some areas for expansion if they haven't already delved into those areas. Yeah. We'll just throw out some recommendations. We watched oh. one Thai drama. Well, I've watched one Thai drama. Maybe you've watched more than... I've watched 1.5 Thai dramas on a recommendation yeah, think- <laughs> from one of our listeners who we love so much. And I obsessively loved the first drama that he recommended. And then the second drama I enjoyed immensely. But I was still writing the high from the first one, and so I bowed yeah. out early. I think I've watched two full ones and then pieces of a lot of other ones. But, yeah, we started, we flew too close to the sun with the first Thai drama we watched, and then <laughs> it was hard to find another one that lived up to those expectations. It reminds me of when some of our listeners will email us sometimes and tell us that their first K-drama was Crash Landing on You. And I, oh no, all I can think, Yeah, all I can think is, how do you keep watching them? How do you like any other dramas? Like, we kind of get it, right? We, we've also watched Crash Landing on You and we've enjoyed other dramas, but it's hard to imagine starting with Crash Landing and then finding anything else to follow it up with. Yeah, because if you start with something and then you immediately follow it with something else that might be better, then you always have that hope, right? That the next thing you watch is going to be your favorite K-drama you've watched yet. Versus if you start with the best one and everything you subsequently watch after is probably very good still, but is it as good as Crash Landing on You? No. No. And so then you have to live with the thought that maybe it will never be outdone. Maybe you peaked at your first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's the benefit of being a 4.8 drama like this one. If this was your first foray into K-dramas, welcome. 
We're so excited that you're here. And there's opportunities to find even better dramas. Not many. This is a <laughs> solid start, and I think it could get you hooked in the K-drama world pretty easily. But there's a few others that could really keep you interested. I don't know much about sagooks, which I think is the term for historical K-dramas. Mm. But uh, if that was your cup of tea, if you're like, I really love a period piece, there are so many. Yes. There are so many K-dramas that fit that genre. We can recommend one. One. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, may we direct you to Evie's Korean drama podcast, previously Lee Evie. She loves a good sagook. Yeah. And uh, probably has way better recommendations. Yeah, has really good recommendations and then just a whole bunch of podcasts to talk about them with you also, too, as well. So, so I mean, <laughs> as a whole, we're here to review this one. It was really good. Uh, I think we might have roasted it throughout most of watching it, <laughs> what which else I feel is new? bad about. <laughs> Reading through reviews, it was like everybody absolutely head over heels loved this show, and I feel like we nitpicked it to death. I like to think of it as holding people accountable. Okay. <laughs> I'll stand by that. That sounds better to me. Yeah, we didn't nitpick, we just held people accountable. We wanted more for everyone in this show. And I think if anything proves that probably we actually did nitpick, nitpick it a bit is the way we treated Hui Jae in the first episodes versus the way we worshipped Hui Jae throughout the entire rest of the K-drama. <laughs> <laughs> I think proves that maybe we spoke too soon very often. Mm, we, she's just perfect. She's perfect. There's nothing about her that I don't love. <laughs> no notes. Yeah. Kui is perfection. She doesn't need suggestions from us or anyone, because she is perfect. We love her. Uh, we wanted more from every character around her, because <laughs> she deserved better. She did. But... She deserved the world. <laughs> But we understand. What she got was a dead boyfriend, so... Oh. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. Um, didn't say... You I guys remember. I said the word spoiler-free, but... <laughs> we'll just bleep that out at the beginning. We didn't mean and it. Then <laughs> I said it, and then you we took it back. The show. Yeah. We all watched the show. They died at the end. But if you Google My Country, The New Age, Google Try and Autofill Season 2... Which feels very teasing for a show whose main characters both died and who has announced no plans of a season two. There is no Cheeto and Gil spinoff. There is nothing in the works for continuing this story, which makes absolute sense for how it ended. But just don't get tricked like I did and think for even a second that there might be a season two. Like, how are they going to pull that off? Resurrection. <laughs> it becomes a magic drama. It was historical, Ooh. now it's historical magical. So not historical, more like... like It's kingdom. It's the kingdom crossover that we've <laughs> all been looking for. It's the kingdom crossover, and somehow Gyul and Cheeto make it in there, and then Perfect. their zombie friends, Hui and... Uh, wow, the other main character, who <laughs> we got to the <gasps> end... <laughs> 
<laughs> you just deleted Sono from your memory. Sono. Whoops. Hey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the most beautiful man to ever live, and he is gone. This will come out in post. <laughs> <laughs> the long pause will come out in post. <laughs> But man, oh, I can't believe you forgot Sono. <laughs> Brutal. Sorry, Sono. Um, I mean, he's the one I wanted more for and from the whole K-drama, so. Yeah. In terms of, in general, as a character, as a whole, we wanted more from Sono. In terms of romance, we wanted more from Hui. Yeah. Yeah, he did not do enough for the woman that he loved. One episode? One episode? You were obsessed with your sister for 90% of this drama, which I love. I don't want less of the love for his sister. Right. That was beautiful. I want more of the romantic love for his girlfriend, who's like, we're in a relationship, right? And he's like, actually, now that my sister died, I'm gonna walk into the river. I'll go ahead and just, I've gotta go. Oh, wait. Something about my sister is prompting me to survive. It has nothing but to do with you, J, just so you know. <laughs> to make that clear, to drive that point home, I will not be speaking to you for six years. Thank you. Goodbye. W- what? <laughs> my guy. My dude. Okay, that's fine. We won't rail on the romance anymore. As a whole, yeah, I guess I'm surprised at how many reviews are like, this friendship is one for the ages. It's the most beautiful bromance show I've ever seen. And I'm like, I've, I really liked it, but I've seen a better bromance. Yeah. You know? So many better bromances where they were bros for much more of the drama. You guys ever seen Goblin? Have you guys seen Goblin? That's a bromance. That's a bromance. Uh, Descendants of the Sun, a very good bromance in that There's one. There's a bromance. <laughs> We've got bromances if you love a good romance, because... We love a good bromance. Yeah. And this felt very good, but not top tier. No. Sorry. Sorry. It was great. It was a great drama. It was not a great bromance. It was a rivalry for 85% of this gay drama. Yeah. They brought it back. They ended in a solid place, but we wanted them to bring it back maybe four episodes sooner. Yeah. Could they have been bros for much longer? Could they have been bros the second Namjoon died? Get it together, boys. Please. Please. Oh, do we have... Oh, I have another fun thing to share. But then after that, do you have any other fun things to share before we want to jump into our, our favorite game? Um, I only have like one or two fun things to share. Like one thing that might take a few minutes, really. Okay. My fun thing is really short. I'll get it out of the way. There's a, there's two videos on YouTube from a channel that I think is called The Swoon, where the three leads from this show who play Hui, Hui J, and Sono, one of them they play Jenga together while answering questions, <laughs> and the other one they watch scenes from the show and react to them, and they're just... Both the videos are just very pure and sweet and show how much the cast got along with each other in real life. They talk so highly of their other cast members, especially the older cast members who helped teach them acting tips and tricks and would participate in scenes even when they weren't being filmed, like 
the other actors would stand behind the camera and continue acting to help the person on camera have more natural reactions to stuff. It sounded like a lot of teamwork and a very beautiful experience, and I loved it, and I highly recommend watching those. They're pretty short, like 10 minutes each. I love that so much. I love hearing from the cast directly about the K-drama and a good interview surrounding it. I can't think of any maybe bad interviews I've ever heard, but sometimes there's some really great substance in there. Little tidbits like that, where you get to hear about how it really was on set with the other people that they got to work with, and I love that. I love to hear it. Yeah, especially when... I I love hearing about the actors who played villains or even gray characters because you get to see them doing their job and being such a fantastic villain. And it's so sweet to be able to disconnect after the show is finished and see the other actors kind of fangirl over how good they are at acting and go, they're such a sweetheart in real life and they're such a warm and kind-hearted person And then the camera goes on, and they are cold as ice, and such a good villain, and it was amazing working with them. It's just so sweet to see. Yes, you finally get that disconnect where it's like, oh, this is a real person, and we love them. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, what are your one or two fun things? So, my one or two fun things are mostly just poorly researched history things. So... About halfway through us watching the drama, and I I do feel like this was a moment probably for many of our listeners to go, duh, obviously. But about halfway (laughs) through watching the drama, we started to wonder how much of it was actually based in history, actual Mm -hmm. historical events. Around the time they started talking about the execution, Bong Wan's execution of Po Un, right? Yeah. Yeah, we had no idea who that was, but it seemed like everybody else knew who that was. Yeah, it felt like a inside joke we were missing out on, and we we finally got the insight to start realizing it, and we were like, oh, this is not just fiction, like a made-up story fiction, it's just fictionalized history. Yeah. And that is very true, Bong Wan, uh absolutely existed, as we kind of confirmed partway through the drama. But I wanted to talk a little bit about it, because uh, just to confirm for anyone who isn't like, duh, obviously, we all knew this, we all know Korean history, for those more like me and Emily, who did not know that how, how much of this was based in history. Uh, so Bong Wan absolutely was a king. He did ascend to the throne at the beginning of the Joseon dynasty. Do you know how old he was when he ascended the throne? He was, so he was I'll born- i give you a pop quiz while you share your facts. <laughs> I mean, good thing I have the Wikipedia page in front of my <laughs> face. Otherwise, I could absolutely not tell you. He was born in 1367, and his tenure as king of Joseon was- Let's see, it says his reign was from December of 1400 through September of 1418, so about 18 years. Um, so well, when he ascended, I don't know, what's 1400? 33. Yeah, it was, you called it, he, he died in his 50s, I believe. Whoa. Yeah. 
So, um... Do you know how he died? Let's see. Let, let's see if Wikipedia will tell us. He died age 54. I don't think it was assassination or in battle. I believe it was natural causes, as in everyone dies very young in history, because history is a time when there wasn't great medicine to tell us how to fix illnesses that could be fixed. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. His intestines were melted, just like wheat. <laughs> From being stabbed many, many times over the course of his 54 years of life. Just too many stab wounds. That's what it says on his gravestone. Just too many stabs. Too many stabs. But yeah, I think he, he remained on the throne up until his death. If the math checks out, I don't want to do the math, but it sounds like it checks out if he died in 1418 and that's when his reign ended, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't, he never stepped down. He is an incredibly controversial, as you might imagine after watching <laughs> this show, even if it's fictionalized, as you might imagine, he was an extremely controversial king because he did make the nation more powerful. And there were a lot oh. of things that he did that were really good for the country, but he was, he, he founded absolute monarchy. So there was, all power went to him My in guy. the kingdom. So it's tricky because he used that power to build a really, really strong country, but also. But also, like, I don't know, it feels, it feels very much like, let's build some pyramids. And you're like, that'll be great for the economy and it'll give a lot of people work and he's like no it will not it will keep them busy we're gonna build railroads that connect us to other countries i don't think that was in the 1400s but you know what i'm saying there were projects but mostly probably based on slave labor and a lot of people probably died in war I don't know, I'm just hypothesizing here about how you can build a successful country on the backs of many, many people. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. I mean, let's go ahead and say it right now. A good country cannot stand when it's built on the backs of slaves. And we, if you've, if you watched Mr. Sunshine with us, you know that slavery didn't end in Joseon until a Around, I want to say the late 1600s. No, wait, it would have been the late 18 or mid 1800s, right? I'm getting my dates all messed up in my head now. For early 1800s, the setting of my of Mr. Sunshine. Yeah, Uh, Mr. Sunshine was like 1899 through 1910. Okay, so it would have been the mid 1800s because if we consider that slavery was a thing at the very, very beginning scenes of Mr. Sunshine, but ended during Mr. Sunshine, then it was probably the mid-1800s. We could look it up. As mentioned, I have a computer in front of my face right now. (laughs) Wow. Quick. (laughs) Hey, Wikipedia. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for all you do. 1895 was when slavery ended in Korea. late 1800s. They had the longest unbroken chain of slavery of any society in history, spanning about 1,500 years. So that's really bad. And obviously, it couldn't survive without slavery because it was... There were a lot of reasons. I don't want to be reductive here, but maybe it's a good thing 
that, you know, we got rid of... Not maybe. It's definitely a good thing. Maybe there's some kind of correlation between them ending slavery and their that particular dynasty ending shortly thereafter. As mentioned, there were other issues happening. War is being fought. Occupations happening. There's a lot. There's a lot to Korean history. It's very interesting to learn about, but... So yeah, the the beginning of the Joseon dynasty was pretty much the beginning of Taejong's rule. There was only two kings before him. He was the third, so it was his father, his brother, as we saw in the show. And then uh, when his brother finally stepped down, he stepped into the rule of the or the role of the absolute monarch, which. Pretty much what it was is him getting rid of the assembly, so also similar to the show. Him getting rid of the assembly that held power in the previous dynasty and establishing the State Council of Joseon, which was a branch of central administration that gave him more say in what happened. So essentially nothing nothing was passed without the king's say. All the edicts went through him. So even though there was a council, ultimately, he had the final say in what happened. But something he's known for that was actually extremely beneficial, this was really interesting to me. It's like the smallest portion of his Wikipedia page, so I'm just going to read it because it's two sentences. Taijong is remembered for ordering 100,000 pieces of metal type and two complete fonts in 1403 predating Gutenberg and Lorenz Jansun by several decades, he accomplished the metal movable type. Like a typewriter? Yeah, like he he um, was able to order up, yeah, like metal type. So I think it wasn't, you know, what we think of as a typewriter, but essentially the metal pieces that could be used as stamps to... Oh. to so that things didn't have to be handwritten anymore? Yep. Oh, do you know... Where that falls in the timeline of Hangul being invented? Was that still for Chinese characters, or was that their modern Korean language that's a lot simpler than the classic Korean language? It was. It seems it was for Chinese characters, which is even more difficult to achieve. Yeah, because that's a lot more characters. The Hangul system was developed by Sejong, the fourth king of the Joseon dynasty, in 1443 to improve literacy. Wow. So, the fourth... So, the next one. Yeah, the next uh, king of the Joseon dynasty then went on to say, what else can we be doing better? Literacy. People should be able to read. And probably this these stamps... They just, we keep losing them. And on, <laughs> we can't type a single thing if we lose one stamp. Yeah, because there it's was... It's a ridiculous system. Yeah, 10,000, or sorry, 100,000. Did I say that? 100,000 pieces no. of metal type. Oh my god. I might have misread it as 10,000. My bad if I did. Taijun is rem- remembered for ordering 100,000 pieces of metal type. My guy. <laughs> you lose one of those. What do you even do? What do you even do? Create a new language, I guess. Yeah. The next king said, I know what you do. Better with Stop language. Stop doing that. Yeah. Stop using this. That's what we're going to do. That's my choice. Uh, just one other thing, I guess, of note. Something that could be probably assumed, but we'll go ahead and say it. 
the existence of Bong Wan also, like I said, proves the existence of his father and his brothers. The the strife of princes did happen. They were wars that, and coups that happened before Bong Wan came to to full king power. But another true life character from the show was Nam Jong. I believe he had a different name. It doesn't say it specifically in, or it it might say it specifically here. But I I did a skim. That's crazy. Yeah. What? So he was re- he was his whole philosophy was that all of the power should not be held by one person, one king, and the philosophy was shared by the former king, the father of Bong Wan, and he was a close advisor to Bong Wan, and that was essentially what what Bong Wan overturned when he became king. He he did kill Nam Jong, and then he also overturned the the assembly that Nam Jong had been kind of behind and this whole philosophy of it's not democracy. It's, I mean, those people are still appointed by a king, but ultimately they had a lot more say prior to Bong Wan taking, stepping in and saying, no me. That makes so much sense, especially with you saying that Bong Wan then went on to establish like a council that probably essentially held the same purpose, but had to get more approval from Bong Wan to make any decisions. Oh, so his disbandment of the assembly was more for show than for... Like, it seems like he could have simply changed the rules of the assembly without disbanding it entirely. But it seems like if he wanted to take out Nam John, then disbanding the assembly afterwards would be more of a show of power and this not theatrical, but... You know, proving a point yeah. of, I'm not, I don't have to listen to anybody. I am king now. <laughs> if you think you know things, you don't. Only I know things. Only I know things. But if you do know things, you can be on this new council that does advise me. But you have to answer to me, just to be clear. It's not the same at all. You're just advisors, but not advisors. A council. A council. Okay. To me. Different. To me, by me, for me. Okay. <laughs> like, bro, that is the same job. <laughs> that is the same job. You just killed all of the other people holding that job and told the new people that they're not that powerful. Like, I guess that's one way to do it, but seems like you want the same same people doing the same job, so maybe just stop killing people. <gasps> Just some friendly advice to our 1400s <laughs> friend. Um, I lied. I figured out something that I lied about when I did another quick <laughs> skim. was not real. Okay. <laughs> no, it was fake. Scrap all that. Edit <laughs> that out. No, um, I, I'm pretty sure he was real. I don't think that from the other article I read that I don't have in front of my face, his name, he was not referred to as Nam Jong in that article, but there was a similar figure that had to go. But in 1418, Taijong abdicated the throne to his third legitimate son, Yido, who was Sejong the Great, who was the one who ultimately developed Hangul. Wow. So we got to find another show about this dude and how he got the throne as the third son. Yeah. Dang. 
Um, one other interesting note, he executed or exiled some of his supporters who helped him ascend to the throne, and later expected <gasps> favors in order to strengthen the royal authority and subdue corruption. So that was also very... We was real, too. So we was real, he was there. Oh, this whole show was real? That's crazy. That's what Raquel just said. <laughs> no lie. Every bit of this show is historically correct. It was all historic- historically accurate, including the amount of times we and uh, <laughs> Sono. Sono got stabbed. Daddy stabbed. Yeah. You can't kill them, though, unless you're Bong Wan, because that's his power in history. This is all historical, zero fiction. That's the play on K takeaway. That's crazy. Ah, I think I found the name. Sorry, I just keep finding more information from this really interesting Wikipedia. I could stop anytime. I'm <sighs> sort of addicted. Jung Do Jung. But also it says his pen name, Sambong, who they did reference in the show. So it might have been a different person, but... I could be completely wrong about this, and they just created the character Nam Jong kind of as like a split personality of Sam Bong. Oh, okay. But he was killed by Yi Bong Wan, the founder of the Joseon dynasty. He was an advisor to Yi Songai and also the principal architect of the Joseon dynasty's policies, laying down the kingdom's ideological, institutional, and legal fr- frameworks, which would govern it for five centuries. So he was the close advisor who set up this, helped set up these policies and this government that was more in the hands of the the counselors and the advisors. Wow. Yeah, that doesn't sound exactly like Namjoon. So I see what you're saying about maybe it could have been an inspiration for his character, but they wanted to make more of a TV show villain. Yeah. But that's interesting. Yeah, it sounds kind of similar to what Namjoon wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, so they did. They had a lot of historical elements, which I guess we sort of assumed after we found out that Bong Wan was real and, and a lot of these people were real and probably the only people that weren't real were like the main cast uh-huh. that kept getting murdered but not dying. Uh-huh. Yeah, was Iwaru real? Uh, I don't know. How much of this was real? We should have looked this up beforehand. <laughs> Kisang were the government. If you Google Ehwaru, it says first appearing in Goryeo, Kisang were the government's legal entertainers required to perform various functions for the state. Okay, so maybe Ehwaru as a business was not real, but as a, as what they did, as a service, yeah. they were based on true places. Yeah, and the idea of these people who are closely connected to political figures who likely knew a lot of those political figures' secrets isn't too far of a leap. We just don't know if there was a whole spy network set up. Yeah, it just seems like it wouldn't last very long, but I don't know. It seems like it would rely very heavily on Gyol being super good at his job to protect the madam of the house, who seems to be the only one who really knows secrets and is interested in using them against people. Yeah. I don't think the Kisang would be in too much danger on their own, but it seems like the madam who runs the facilities would be in constant danger of assassination. Yeah, immense danger. She has all the secrets. 
Yeah. That's why her hair's so big. It's full of secrets. It's full of secrets. <laughs> it's a reference, guys. <laughs> um, this is super neat. Would you... I'm very proud of you for looking all this up, and I thank you for sharing it. Yeah, let's think... Let's take... I know you totally did this. Let's take another moment to think... Wikipedia, because what I did mostly was just read the Wikipedia while we were recording the podcast. <sighs> Thank you, Wikipedia. I have recently donated money to Wikipedia, and if you have spare money that you'd like to go to a good cause, I think Wikipedia is just about as good as they come, because they give everyone lots of information and make information accessible for so many for almost entirely free if you can find an internet connection. That's insane. That's unbelievable. In in today's economy, <laughs> hard to come by. So yeah, donate to Wiki if you have the, the spare change. Some spare coffers. <laughs> <laughs> anything. They'll take anything, I assume. <laughs> Some spare bitcoins. Maybe not. They're kind of worthless now. Yeah, don't give them your bitcoin. <laughs> Don't give him your Bitcoin trash. Come on. <laughs> uh, do you want to play a short, a much shorter than I expected because of how long it took me to read that Wikipedia article? <laughs> do you want to play a shorter than expected game of Who's That Face? I do. I'm bad at Who's That Face, but I know you've been practicing and that you're excited for it, so I'm ex I'm excited for it. <laughs> we'll keep it really low-key. Um... I will say there were two characters, sorry, no, there were three characters that as soon as I saw their faces, I thought, I know them and I actually don't know from what. <laughs> That's not like you. Yeah, the top one was Nam Jung. The actor is Om Ne Sung, and he has been in everything. We should start with him, because he might be all we have time for with the amount of things <laughs> he has been in. Okay, let's start with him. Yeah, so... I, yeah, similarly, I feel like I instantly recognized him, but it was like, I don't know from where. From but something. he feels like one of those K-drama moms that you're like, he's probably in every every show. Yeah. I could even picture him from something, pretty much the whole series. I could picture him with much shorter hair that was kind of wild and spiked out. Oh. And I could remember he's been the villain in something, but I just, yeah, I didn't know what... I don't even know if we will necessarily confirm what he was the villain in, because he's been in so many things. He could have been a good guy in some of these things, and a villain in others, <laughs> and I still just simply would not know. Let's see, the first thing... He's been in, in K-drama TV shows since 2004, so he's got a, about 20 years of acting under his belt, and well over... F I'd say well over 50 K-dramas... And that's oh not counting his movies. I just keep scrolling and scrolling. Yeah. He's been in everything. I'm trying to find the first thing that we saw that he was in. I probably saw him first in Kill Me, Heal Me, which I mentioned last time is one of those shows that I just cannot forget. Last time being last episode, where we talked about shows that we love absolutely, and then shows that we just can't. Get out of our heads. They live in our brains rent-free. That was our special 200th episode. Yeah. And Kill Me, Heal Me was one of those. I don't remember what he was in that show, so I probably shouldn't have brought it up, but 
He was the oldest one on the list that I recognize him from. Yeah, the next, I think the first thing that we watched him in for the podcast is a show called Rain or Shine. And if that doesn't sound familiar to you, it's because we are being specifically targeted and attacked by <laughs> by people renaming the English iteration, name iteration, of so many K-dramas. Rain or Shine, as I like to refer to it, as I have personally re- renamed it, was <laughs> just between friends. What we watched it as was just between lovers. Yeah. I don't know who he was in that. I think he was someone's dad. Yep. It looks from the pictures like he was maybe the dad of the female lead. Okay. So I don't think it's a spoiler to say that he's mostly in flashbacks (laughs) from episode one. (laughs) It's not a spoiler if we can't remember. (laughs) If we're completely wrong, you can't be mad at us. And if we're completely right, you can't be mad at us either. Still not mad at us. But either way, I remember that show was very sad and very beautiful, and I loved it. Yeah, no, he's... Yeah. Yep. I can't actually remember what... Or rather, I did remember what happened, but it's just as well that I don't say. (laughs) Because because at this point, it's so opposite of what I just said previously (laughs) that it... It honestly doesn't matter. I did also just find what we what he's been the villain in. <gasps> what was he the villain in? The guest? Yep, he was the he was a villain in that one, or like a spooky guy. And that's all we can really say without spoiling. But he was a spooky guy. I have been that should have maybe been on my I cannot forget about this show list. <laughs> I've been thinking about the guest a lot. I think especially as we. Move quickly towards the fall and spooky season. I want more spooky shows, and I feel like the guest was so genre-defining in such interesting ways. I just really liked that show. It was really good. I really liked the guest. Um, What? He was in 18 again, too? Yeah, I have no clue who he was. It says his name. I don't know who that is, though. Dang. Oh, he was in the news department. Oh. So I think he was kind of, quote unquote, a low-key villain. Yeah. So he's like, I don't like moms having jobs. Yeah. (laughs) And we don't like that attitude. (laughs) That's some villain attitude. That's some villain stuff. Uh, I I think that's just about it of what we've seen of him. Yeah, I feel a small sense of shame for not having seen more of these shows. Like, maybe this should be our new watch list, is just <laughs> on song dramas. But also, I'm very proud that three out of the four that we mentioned that we've seen him in, we have reviewed on the podcast. Yeah. So people can go listen to what we thought and hear us not shout out this amazing actor who's been in everything. Yeah, yeah he, uh, he's he been in horrors, he's been in romances, he's been in... The, that's pretty much... That covers, like, what we've seen him in, so... Historicals now. Historicals. Uh, this was barely romantic. <sighs> we don't count it as a romance, okay? <laughs> the uh, second thing that I had seen him in, and I knew I had seen him in... Uh, or, sorry, excuse me. Let me flip that script. Let me actually think about the words I say before they come out of my mouth. The second character 
I saw and thought, I know I've seen him before, but I don't remember what I saw him in, was Park Chido, who was played by Ji Sung Hyun. And he has been in a couple things that we have seen and a couple things we've reviewed on the on the podcast as well. It says he was in Mr. Sunshine. Are you kidding me? I'm sorry I'm not playing your game correctly. <laughs> I'm not doing quiz mode. No, I'm I love just it. cheating and looking up the answers. I love it. No, yeah, he was in Mr. Sunshine. He was in the uh, Righteous Army. No. Yeah. So he was a very similar character to who he is in this. And what? we loved him there too. I don't think he had a hu- as huge of a role in that one as he does in this one, but we loved him. We've said it a couple times. Uh, well, it's worth saying again. Mr. Sunshine what was on our 200th episode and lives in our hearts as our top. It battles it out with Crash Landing on You. Like if you started with Crash Landing on You and you're thinking, how could I ever possibly top Crash Landing on You? Go for Mr. Sunshine, because it's outstanding. It's so good. I didn't think we would like historicals, and that's the one that got us in. Yeah, we we didn't know. We watched it, and now we know that historicals are for us. They're for us. They're for <laughs> everyone. It's so Mr. good. Mr. Sunshine is for all of us. <laughs> oh. Uh, he's been in Descendants of the Sun. Oh, also a top-tier amazing drama, but one that I need to rewatch because I feel like I don't remember much about it. Yeah, I, I remember very little about it. I remember loving it, and I remember thinking mm-hmm. the characters had great chemistry, and then I remember shortly after finding out <laughs> that they got married and then later divorced, and it just wrecked me emotionally because if they can't make it, who can? <laughs> <laughs> What's the point of love without the song song couples in the world? Yeah. Yeah, I I need to rewatch that one. The last one that I recognize is Lovely Horribly, yes. which we also did on the podcast, which almost feels like a joke. Yeah. I, the more time goes on, the more willing I am to roast this show because I know that the people in it don't depend on its success. I think right after you air your show, you might be, like, really excited to see what people think about it, and I don't want to crush their dreams. But the further we get from it in time, the more willing I am to be like, that show was pretty bad, right? Yeah, there's some distance now, so we can say that it it's it was so rough that I forget we watched it. Uh-huh. Because it was pretty forgettable, which I think is maybe one of the... I think that's maybe one of the most savage things I've said on this, because at least the other K-dramas that we haven't liked that we watched and reviewed on the podcast, I could at least... They lived in my head, you know? They really stuck with me for one reason or another. That one didn't even stick. I could not tell you anything about it. I could not tell you a single... I couldn't tell you why certain things happen, what those things actually are in context. I I couldn't tell you anything, just that we watched it. Yeah, I feel like if you asked us to list five of our least favorite shows that we've ever watched, it wouldn't make the list because (laughs) it's so forgettable. Yeah. Uh, Sorry if Lovely Horribly is like your favorite show ever. I just don't remember anything about it. It had ghosts and that's cool. Yeah. We One like point ghosts. in their corner. As we wind down, do we want to pick 
three really fast characters or like one that we really delve into again? Did you have anyone that you we can't miss? We cannot miss. Let's do three really fast characters, maybe four, but we can go really, really quick through them. Because one we actually watched in our previous drama and we didn't even know it. Seo Yun was in Hospital Playlist. What? Yeah, she was, I believe, the twin intern or like the twin <gasps> student. No, the one that we were like obsessed with. Yeah, we oh, loved I feel her. So stupid. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's who she played. I know she was in Hospital Playlist. I'm pretty sure she was the student that we really, really loved. And then. Really quick, we mentioned this at some point. I can't remember if it was on podcast or if it was like our pre-podcast dis- discussion, but Seogyum, who was Hui's dad, he's played by, sorry, I didn't say it, but Seogyum is played by the actress Cho Yi-hyun. Seogyum is played by the actor Yu Oh-sung, and he was a not good dad in Uncontrollably Fond. Oh. He was a politician, and he was not nearly the perfect dad in that that he was in this. Wow. He was a complicated dad at best. (laughs) Okay, okay. I don't remember him at all, but I am not good at remembering uncontrollably fond. I think I blocked it from my memory for emotional safety. Yeah, because we roasted it for the first three out of four podcast episodes, and then in literally, I think it was, it might have been the very final episode, but I think it was the last two episodes. It had me crying harder than any show has ever made me cry. Yeah. Yeah. Including maybe even, I don't know, it's hard to say, it's a toss-up between the two. Mr. Sunshine emotionally devastated me. Mm. I still think I might have cried harder at the end of Uncontrollably Fond. In my memory, Uncontrollably Fond is the hardest I've ever cried in my life. (laughs) I... They did a good job at the end. Yeah. And I hate it for that. (laughs) Oh... Uh, last two characters in our speed round of Who's That Face? Seo Seol, Madam Seoul, who is played by the actress Jong Young Nam, has, I believe, been in a couple things, but the thing I most remember her from is that we did watch and review on the podcast was It's Okay to Not Be Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was part of a, the nursing staff in that. I feel like... When we started talking about it, I did remember who she played in that show, at least. Yeah. So that's a good start. Yeah, that is a great show uh, about mental health stuff and uh, neurodivergence and be- it's uh, how it's okay to not be okay. And it's really, really good. So if you it's haven't so watched good. that one, that was in my top five. Highly recommend. Yeah. And then... the. The last person I wanted to mention in the speed round that, again, we definitely mentioned at one point during the show was Nam Seung-ho, who I actually don't think he's been in anything that we reviewed on the podcast, but he was in a show we did for our watch parties. Lives in my mind rent-free. Yeah. <laughs> it's called King Eternal Monarch. It is such an interesting show to me. They tried to do so much, and I still don't know what to think about that. (laughs) (laughs) It's our, as much as 
we wanted so much from this show. If you can imagine that times 10, everything about the King Eternal Monarch was flying so close to the sun. They had so much set up that we were fully invested in. (laughs) The actors that they chose, the characters that they played, the storylines that they were exploring, even the setting itself is something that I cannot stop thinking about because it's so cool. Yes. And it's just as a whole such a mess of a show. It's scattered. It's very scattered, and it's lovely, and I think it's worth watching if you're interested in chaos theory, if you like weird nerd stuff, and of course romance. It has the amazing Lee Min-ho and Kim Go-un as the leads. Like, are you kidding me? Two best leads. Are you kidding me? Two best leads. (laughs) And... Yeah, the the plot is a little bit of a letdown for us, but it has so much potential. And of course, I think our male lead, oh, I already forgot his name, I'm so sorry, who played Sono? Wu Do-hwan. Wu Do-hwan played, I think he maybe got a little bit of internet fame from the King Eternal Monarch because he plays this beautiful bodyguard of the king who's just so straight-laced and handsome and always wears suits and looks fantastic. So that's where we first met him, and we pretty instantly recognized him in My Country, The New Age, because he's just unforgettable. Completely unforgettable. We love him. I think he really shortly... I feel like he really shortly after the King Eternal Monarch bounced to do his military service. I want to say. I might be misremembering that. But yeah, he lives in my brain rent free. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there are so many other characters that we did not get to, especially the two other leads. Sorry to leave them out, but we wanted to touch on some of our favorites and some of the ones that we instantly went, who is that? Yeah, because I don't think we saw the other two leads in anything. They feel either new to the scene or new to my brain. So, <laughs> looking through, okay, well, we're going to do it now. Looking through <laughs> Yang Sejong, who played So Hui, he was in Dr. Romantic, which is, I should have said it, I need to keep track of these things better because it might be in my top five list. It's, oh, dang. at the very least, a top ten. I, when I watched Dr. Romantic for the first time, I was obsessed. It is such a good show. Oh. And we might need to put that on our watch list this winter because I need you to know I need to see what it. it's like <laughs> to watch Dr. Romantic. I need to see it. Okay, okay. Yeah. It'll go on our watch list. We'll circle back to that and you will instantly recognize our good boy, Sohui. Yeah, that, that'll go on our watch list. We, we've prepped our next watches uh, for the most part. It's still a little bit fluid. We're not entirely positive what we're doing after our next drama. So if there's something that you must see, it's a must view, please don't hesitate to reach out to us via email or something and let us know. Do we usually... I never remember if we usually announce our next K-drama on the bonus episode. I don't know how much it matters. I think we do when we have it lined up, but we're almost never this prepped. We actually have one lined up for August, or yeah, end of July into a little bit of August. Yes. 
Yeah. So we are going to watch, it's pretty short, so it won't take us too long to get through. We're going to watch The Sound of Magic with Ji Chung Wook. Oh, of course. (laughs) It's on Netflix if you want to watch it along with us. We're going to do it two episodes at a time because life is still chaotic. So we may or may not ever return to four episodes at a time. Depends on if K-dramas stop being very long episodes. (laughs) (laughs) If they go back to their 45-minute format that we could have sworn they were doing at one point, then maybe. (laughs) Maybe after that, because we don't have an August or September drama, we just want a spooky one for October. I think that's our biggest plan, is we just plan the whole year for October. Yeah, and then it's funny to say that we plan the whole year for October, because I feel like sometimes we just will do a spooky drama in the spring anyway, but when we were talking about doing a spooky drama next, for some reason it wasn't sitting with me, and I was like, I don't know, because it's one we really want to watch, but we'll so we'll almost certainly watch it during October when the mood hits a little harder. Yeah, but maybe we'll squeeze in Dr. Romantic in between, or you can email us at, did you already say plankpodcast at gmail.com? Nope, I skipped it. So yeah, you can email us where Emily just mentioned and let us know if you want us to watch something else soon, sooner rather than later. Soon, yeah. If you want to support our podcast in more ways than your listening does, which thank you already for listening, especially this far into the episode, unbelievable. Thank you so much. If you want to support us in more ways, you can rate and review our podcast wherever you listen, and that helps other listeners find us. Yeah, our website, playonk.com, has a bunch of stuff you can check out. We post all of our episodes there, so if you don't have a preferred platform to listen to them, you can always find them there. Uh, We also have uh, sign up for our newsletters that we don't send out anymore, so you can That's just like a really nice, easy way to let us know that you're interested in hearing from us. Yeah. (laughs) And the last thing that we always like to point out that we have there is our affiliates. So the first one I want to bring up is Skillshare. So if you're interested in learning something, you can use the link on our website to check out Skillshare. The second option that you could check out is NordVPN. There's a lot of different things you can do with a VPN. Provide security on the web, but maybe most importantly, you can watch shows that Korean dramas that might not be licensed in your area by switching, switching over, switching to a different place, a different area. And then finally, we, if you're interested in having your voice be heard as well, if you'd like to have a podcast, we also are affiliated with Blueberry Podcasting, so you can use the link there to help us out and get some Blueberry Podcasting going on. Yeah! Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll see you next week for The Sound of Magic. Yeah! Okay, bye! Okay, bye! <laughs>